Amen. Hey, welcome to church this morning. Uh, I am Luke. I'm the student's pastor here. Uh, I have the privilege of hanging out with your students on Wednesday nights, and it's uh, so fun. It's incredible to watch as this next generation runs after the heart of the Father. Runs after the heart of the Father. It'll bless your heart. It blesses my heart every week that I get a a chance to just hang out with these students and and see what God is doing in them. Uh, But the power place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence every single day. Exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily. And can I just go ahead and tell you, every day is an opportunity. Every day is an opportunity to, to know the heart of the Father even more. I've been in a season where the Lord, he's been waking me up minutes before my alarm. You guys just hate that when that happens. It's like, I've got 10 minutes and it's like, do I go back to sleep or do I, you know, just get up and get going with my day? And he's been waking me up with an invitation. Just an invitation. I just have this, this, this thing in my spirit that is just, he's inviting me into moments with the Father. And it's something that I pray for you as well, because when you spend moments with the Lord every single day, that relationship grows as you dive in his truth and his word, as you experience how you encounter the Lord daily. It leads to health, that value of health. And so, man, press into that. Because the Lord, he wants to connect with you. He wants to meet with you. He wants to see life change in your home. It doesn't have to happen here. It does happen here because we invite him here. But it can happen in your home. It can, it can happen in your car as you meet with him every single day. Amen? Amen. Uh, this series we've been going through entitled Giant Slayers. Anybody you've enjoyed what the Lord has been doing? It's been incredible. Yeah, just go ahead and give it up for the Lord, what he's been doing in our series, Giant Slayers. Today, we're going to slay the giant of addiction. We're going to slay the giant of addiction. Uh, and immediately, I probably just lost half your beginning, your, your Sunday afternoon nap, uh, because you're like, that's not me. Because we, we always associate addiction with uh, the substances, uh, drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be. That's what we associate addiction with. And uh, I just want to go ahead and back up here a little bit because I've got such a holy anticipation for what God is going to do. In my time with him this week, he's been speaking the word freedom. Freedom. And, and I know that's exactly what he's going to do today. But when we speak of, of the word addiction, it's what I, I simply define addiction as anything that is placed above the heavenly father, anything that drives you and not the other way around. That can look like a lot of different things. We limit addiction to substances, which it can be, but addiction can also be food. It talks about gluttony in the word of God. Can I, can I just go ahead and ask you, can you tell yourself no? Can you tell yourself no? It can be self addiction to self. What would I want for myself? It can be addiction to stability and I was, when I was praying for, for, for today, I felt like the Lord was highlighting addiction to stability. What, what if the Lord asked you to sell it all right now? What, what if he asked you to pursue a different line of work? Would you? That addiction to stability. Maybe it's addiction to lying. Maybe it's addiction simply to work. Is work your determining factor for everything in your life? Addiction can be so many different things. But addiction is anything in your life that is magnified to an unhealthy level. And this can be even good things. 
things that are really good and they start out in a good spot, but they become magnified to this spot of an unhealthy level. And it it brings me to uh, Psalm 34. In Psalm 34, 1, it says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When I was thinking about and, and talking about the giant of addiction, I feel like so many times I believe that's what's magnified. When, when we talk about addiction, I think that's what's magnified. Even in, in recognizing that there's an issue and recognize, hey man, I, I've got something in here that's out of whack. Maybe it's, it's addiction over here and you recognize it and you see it. Even in dealing with addiction, it's magnified. And the Lord is saying, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Let, let's go ahead and, and magnify me. Uh, about a month ago, I, I was running, spending some, some moments with the Father. And as I was running, all of a sudden, I just sensed this awe come over me. I, I was running. It was, it was pretty early in the morning. It's kind of hard to see. I just sensed this awe and this wonder just rush over me. And all I could do was just stop and just be with him. He, he was just, it was just like this, 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 uh, this uh, magnitude of just, just magnifying him and just this awe of who he is. I just had to stop and be aware, honor his magnitude. And I wrote down here, there's something so power, powerful about an honest realization of who he is. Something so powerful about an honest realization of who he is. He was reminding me of how minute I am in this scheme of life. He was, he was reminding me where I sit. And as I began to just to sit and to honor and just realize how good he is, how awesome he is, the things that I was thinking about and the things that I was bringing to him just began to get pushed to the wayside. And, and that's what I feel like in beginning today in the giant of di- addiction, it can be so easy to let the things that you're facing consume you, consume your thoughts, consume how, how you're, how you're uh, navigating life, consume your energy. But when you stop and you begin to worship and magnify the Almighty, the one that is in control, suddenly there's that, that, that shifting, that movement that begins to happen in the spirit. So the first thing that, that I want us to go ahead and understand this morning is that the giant of addiction is slayed when we lift up and magnify the highest authority. When we lift up and magnify the highest authority. When, when, it, when it's, it's the, the things of our life that maybe have got out of whack, we're no longer magnifying those things. We're magnifying him and him alone. We'll watch as, as, as the text continues. It says this. I sought the Lord. And he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Every single one. Those that look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Not, not the one that comes to him when he's in need. Not the one that is, that is in and out. No, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 
What I want you to see here, what I, what I, the second thing I want you to understand this morning is that addiction arises when there is a void in needing to be filled. But in fullness of a relationship with him, as you see right here, there is no lack. In fullness of relationship, not partial relationship, not one foot in, not one foot out. In fullness of relationship with him, there is no lack. There, there is no void that needs to be filled by this or that or, 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 or this over here, the, the next and latest, greatest big thing. No, in him, in fullness of, of relationship with him, there is no lack. If we jump forward and we end in, in verse 17 and verse 18, it says this. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. And he delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and just begin and uh, just ask the Lord to bless our time together. So God, we just thank you for today. God, I thank you for just how you're moving already, God. Lord, we just thank you for how you're going to speak in this series. And as you already have, God, I pray that you would continue today, God. Lord, I pray for freedom in the house. Lord, I pray that you would just come. I pray that you would restore. I pray that you would just be lifted high. God, would you be magnified today, I pray in Jesus' name. We love you and we thank you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Do you realize that nothing is too big for our God? Nothing is too big. The Lord, he spoke freedom over today. So what I want to do, today's going to look a little bit different because he began to peel back layers of, of how I was supposed to go into to today and, and to re- reveal things to us. And so we're going to just take a second and uh, we're going to approach today a little bit differently. I felt like the Lord, it was almost like he, he was uh, helping me see under the hood, which was kind of a funny illustration because I am not a car guy. Anybody you're a car guy in the room? Okay, that is not me. I'm like, you give me a wrench and I open up the hood and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I actually had to uh, replace a headlight the other day, and it was like, it took way longer than it should. I think it's probably because my hands are too big. Anybody have you have big hands in the room? I was like, how do they, like, you got to have small hands to get in these small little cracks. Like, I don't know what's happening here. But it's funny because the Lord, he gave me that illustration of just looking underneath the hood and helping us understand how to get or how we get where we, we, we do. It's almost like he was uh, helping me see that uh, when you lose something, what do you do when you lose something? You think about the last place that you, you had it. You think about where, where it was when you, you misplaced it. You, you backtrack and you work back towards where uh, it was it, before. Anybody, you, you lose stuff. My wife, yes, my wife. But you work backwards. And I felt like he wants to help us work backwards to see how we end up facing the giant of addiction so that we can combat those warning signs. So are you ready? Amen. Obedience. We talk about obedience a lot here. It's, it's one of our values. We say obedience is the key to life. We live by the nudge of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's work. As he leads, we follow. Can I go ahead and, and tell you this morning, slaying the giant of addiction requires full obedience. It requires full obedience. Uh, go ahead and, and check this out. The first king of Israel, Saul, is a classic example of someone who doesn't tremble at God's word. He easily strayed from obedience when it didn't make sense for his best interest in mind. When, when it didn't make sense and, and, and when, it, when it, the benefit wasn't obvious or didn't serve his purposes. And this wasn't always the case. If, if you remember back, 
he wasn't supposed to be king. It, it, it was a thing where no one thought that it was going to be King Saul. The prophet Samuel came and chose him from, uh, from the, the smallest of tribes of, of Israel. He chose him. And it was one of those things where it, his family was one of the, the least important in the tribe. So it didn't make sense to anybody. You fast forward and you see where he lacked the fear of the Lord when he experienced success and the benefits of leadership. We see that he began to ignore conviction in small matters, resulting in his conscience becoming more and more desensitized. He began to develop a pattern of disobedience. We see it right here in 1 Samuel 15, 3, it says this. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. This is what the prophet Samuel was telling King Saul to do as a directive from the Lord. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, uh, camels, and donkeys. This was the Lord beginning to avenge the nation's wicked behavior. So Saul, he went and mobilized his army at, at Telem. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Canaanites, move away from where the Amalekites live or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they, were, they came up from Egypt. So the Canaanites packed up and left. The, the, then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. But watch. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the, ca the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them. Everything that appealed to them. Everything that could be of benefit. Everything that, that looked good. And, 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 and seeing this, I'll never forget a message that Pastor Greg preached where he challenged all of us to leave no survivors. To leave no survivors. And, and, and that challenge, it resounds loud again today. Man, leave no survivors. You, you see right here where, where King Saul was, he, he was almost obedient. Almost obedient. If I were King Saul, I would have been like, Lord, like, look what I, all, everything that I did for you. Look at all that I accomplished. I, I you know, annihilated this. I did this. I did all this. But I, he, he was almost obedient. He wasn't completely obedient. And can I tell you this morning, this morning that almost complete obedience isn't obedience at all. Almost complete obedience isn't obedience at all. And how many times are we guilty of almost complete obedience? How many times? Can I just go ahead and remind you that we serve a God of the details? He knows where you're going, where you're headed before you do. And so many times the Lord asks us to do this or to go and just simply obey here. And it's like, Lord, it doesn't make sense. Lord, I don't know what you're doing. And then he's saying, hey, obey, because I've got a big plan here. I can see the big picture. But we lack in that almost complete obedience. It goes on to say, and we see what happens here. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. So 
though, let me go ahead and remind you that slaying the giant of addiction requires full obedience. Full obedience. In continuing to, to pull back the layers and peek under the hood, the Lord illuminated a, a thought to me from a book that I was reading. So it's not my thought because uh, I'm, I'm not that smart. Um, but it was something that I, I felt like as I was reading, it was, it was jumping in my spirit. And that I just want to share with you this morning, uh, Pastor um, John, he says this. The initial signs of losing holy fear are subtle. It begins with ignoring conviction in the small matters resulting in our, our, our conscience becoming more and more desensitized. Eventually, when faced with one more significant matters, we're unaware of our developed pattern of disobedience. He goes on to say, many don't realize that the clarity and strength of our conscience can be altered. Our conscience is from a gift from God that should never be taken lightly. It's an integral part of our heart. Its sensitivity, its sensitivity is strengthened by holy fear and conversely dulled by lack thereof. And as I was kind of praying into that and just thinking about it, it's, it's almost like a shushing. Anybody, you've got little kids in the room. Okay, a few of us. Anybody you've ever been around little kids? Okay, probably all of us. Uh, if, you, if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. Probably all of us have been around little kids. What a lot of times when, when, when you see someone walk into a quiet place with kids, they begin to, right? You're, you're trying to quiet the kids down. And, and if you're lucky, right, a lot of times they'll, they'll become a little bit quieter. Eventually, they may be uh, completely quiet. And what I felt that this was, was is it's almost like a shushing to the nudge of the Holy Spirit. When, when, when you don't completely obey, it's, okay, shh, I've got a better plan instead. And, and when we begin to shush the Holy Spirit, that, that shushing, it quiets his voice of, okay, next time I'm not hearing him maybe as clear. Next, next time maybe that, 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 that kick in the Spirit is, is not as, as much, maybe it's more of a, a pinch or of just a small little jab. And when we shush the Holy Spirit and we continue to shush the Holy Spirit, that, that, that pattern of disobedience, eventually that, that shushing will begin to quiet the, the Spirit's voice and his leading and his conviction. You know, the, the Holy Spirit convicts where he needs to convict. And when we, sh- that, that, that Holy Spirit, that disobedience, that, that lack of obedience, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a spot where it's like, okay, I know better and just let me do as, as I want to do. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous line to, to walk because and it's one of those things that it's a gift from the Lord, that, that conscious, that, that nudging of the Spirit, because he's saying, hey, I've got the big picture here, and I want you to see and understand because I've got a better plan. So how does all this connect? The giant of addiction has its way where there's lack of fear of the Lord and lack of complete obedience. Lack of fear of the Lord and lack of complete obedience. A.W. Tozer says this, when men no longer fear God, they transgress his laws without hesitation. The fear of consequences is no deterrent when the fear of God is gone. It's a big deal. So can we just take a moment here? I just just felt as I was was praying in today, as I was studying, I just want to take a moment and ask the Lord. I I know we've done it before, but man, it's, it's one of those things where the fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord, it's one of those things where it keeps us on track. So I just want to take a second. I just, just go ahead and ask the Lord, Lord, give me such a fear of you 
that fear to be away from you, that, that fear of, of, of knowing and understanding and in and, and your navigation. So God, we, we just ask right now, God, but I pray for the house. I pray for, for, for me as an individual and just for everyone in this room. I pray for such a fear of the Lord because we know it's, it's the beginning of knowledge. We know that it keeps us on track. We know that, that as we hold you in your rightful place, as we magnify, as we glorify, as we honor you, you lead and you guide. God, I pray that you would just give us such a fear of you, Jesus, in your name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You still with me? Awesome. Good. Ephesians 2 says this. And you were, someone say were, dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. But watch, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But I want us to notice here is that Paul, he's speaking past tense. What happens when you speak past tense? What does that mean for all of my English people in the room? If you're not, just go ahead and, and, and look at your neighbor and say, hey, like, can you help me here? Because you need help. When you speak past tense, it means it's, it's dead and gone. It was. It, it, it was who you were. It, it's in the past. And he's speaking to past tense because you were dead in your, in your trespasses and sins. This was once how you walked. He's saying, hey, this is, is not you anymore. He's helping them see that this isn't uh, the, 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 the state of, of how you are. And can I tell you this morning, in the giant of addiction, I feel like I see a giant, the giant of addiction as almost like a partial turn. It's a, it's a partial turn. And, and what I want us to understand and, and see this morning is that slaying the, a, a giant of addiction requires a complete turn. A complete turn. It's, it's, it's a, a complete 180. It's almost like you're driving in your car and then you realize you're going the wrong way. Anybody that's ever happened to you before? You hop on Route 1, you feel like you're going east, but then you realize you're going west. All the guys in the room are like, no, that was never me. I've never done that before. All the wives are tapping them like, yes, that was you. You did that this week. Don't ask my wife. I've done that here recently. But you, you end up going the wrong way. What happens when you go the wrong way? Okay, you need to turn around to get to where you're going. Because it would be dumb to say, hey, I'm going east and not west, and then simply do a partial turn and begin to go north, because you're not going to get to where you want to go. And when it's the same thing with the giant of addiction. It requires that complete 180 turn. Hey, I was going this way. Now I'm going to go this way, because I know that this way is not going to amount to anything. This way is going to lead to destruction. And, and, and what that truly is, is it's repentance. It's turning from. It's going the complete opposite direction. And can I just go ahead and tell you this morning that repentance is powerful. It's powerful. It's one of those things where the Lord, he, he asks us to repent so that we can get off the throne of our heart and that we can put him there. Hey, we're no longer, we're not right. We know that we're, we're, we're misleading here. We're not going in the right direction. So let me go ahead and repent and turn from. It replaces pride with humility. Let me help you understand this morning that true repentance is full surrender and leads to complete freedom. 
True repentance is full surrender and leads to complete freedom. We see it in Psalm 32, 5. It says this, finally. How many of you are like, that, that's been me before? I've tried everything else. But it says, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I, said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Amen. Yeah, give it up for the Lord. Can I tell you, that's what he wants to do this morning? Freedom. You know what true repentance does? It brings to light those hidden things. Those hidden things that maybe no one else sees. Those hidden things that, that maybe you're kind of uh, lying to yourself and, oh, it's not that bad, or I, I don't actually deal with this. No, true repentance, it brings to light those things. And can I go ahead and help you understand that things hidden in the dark is, is, is the enemy's playground. Those, those things that are suppressed, those things that are, that are hidden and those things that, that aren't brought to light. What, what do you do when you bring it to light? You begin to, to deal with it. You begin to navigate. You begin to give it to him and he begins to work and, and to, to have his way. We see it in Proverbs 28, 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from repentance, they will receive mercy. They will receive mercy. The Passion Translation says this. If you cover up your sin, you'll never do well. But if you confess your sins and forsake them, you'll be kissed by mercy. Can I just go ahead and encourage you? Bring to light those things that maybe you've suppressed. Bring to light. Begin to deal with. Begin to, to offer them to the Lord because I promise you, it's, it's, it's going to be one of the, the, the most beneficial things that you can do. As you bring those things to light, he's beginning to work and to change. And I've seen people that have done it, and it's, at the end of the day, they're unrecognizable because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because they've simply allowed him to do what he wants to do. Set you free. Bring you life and life more abundantly. The next thing that, that I want us to help us un understand this morning is that your position has changed. Go ahead and say that with me real fast. My position has changed. Now go ahead and say it like you mean it. My position has changed. I, I feel like I, I got to help you out, like I help my students out. It's like, hey, are you still there? Yep, you're there. I got you. My position has changed. We see it in Ephesians 2, 3. It says this. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, you say, but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, don't miss this, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Go ahead and just think about that. That is incredible. Let me read it for you again in case you missed it. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your position has changed. Your position has changed. You are seated with him in heavenly places. In relationship with Jesus, you are a new creation, as uh, 2 Corinthians says. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who gives us strength. Your position in being adopted as a son or daughter of the Most High has changed. 
It has completely changed. One of the things that, that I see is your position has changed, but now we got to get our actions right. When, you, when walking in a relationship with the Lord, your position has changed, but you can still go back to the same mess. Your position has changed, but, but those, those, those old habits, those old ways of living, the things that you used to take part in, they've got to begin to change as well. Because it's easy we have the benefits of a son or daughter of the Most High, but it's easy to hand those benefits to the enemy as we continue to take part in our former ways. Don't forfeit your benefits to the enemy. Don't forfeit your position in, the, in, in this thing. If you think about it, position is a big deal. I'm a sportsman. Anybody else, you're a sports person, okay? I've got a few sports people in the room. In sports... Position is crucial. You think about it. Position is crucial in basketball when you're going for a rebound. Position is crucial in even, even track. I'm a track coach. Position is, is crucial in track. You want the inside lane. I'm a football guy. Position is crucial when you're talking about field position. And there, there's nothing more frustrating in being a fan when you have uh, the ball and you just begin to you fumble or you have a turn, turnover on your side of the 50. When it's in your area, on your side of the field. It's so frustrating, am I right? Because what does that mean? Typically, when you forfeit field position, when you forfeit the ball, it ends in them scoring, which in turn is most likely going to cause you to lose and you know, victory is slipping through your fingers. But it's the same thing when you talk about the kingdom of God. Position is huge. You've been seated with him in heavenly places. You've been seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. And, and what, what I want to help us to understand and to see this morning is that you're placed here. And, and, and so many of us in walking throughout life, we begin to backtrack and to, to go and, and partner with the flesh, as this, this verse is talking about. And the Lord said, hey, no, 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 like, let, help, don't go back to those things that you actually see it in the, in the and when the Lord is helping his disciples to learn how to pray, he's challenging with, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's that, Lord, let me, let, let me teach you that they're to not to yield to the ways of the enemy. Let me help you understand to take up that authority that has been given to you so you don't continue to go back to those former ways of living. Walk in that position of authority that the Lord has given you. So let me go ahead and challenge you. Slay the giant of addiction daily. Go ahead and do it daily. Because if you didn't realize, we're in a fight. We're in a fight and the enemy, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. So it's in that when we begin to, to, to walk in, in lax and, and I'll just go this way or that way, that's when the enemy comes in, he, he, he steals and kills and destroys. So slay the giant of addiction daily. How do you do that? By crucifying your flesh Every single day. You see it in Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's living in every part of our lives. Crucify your flesh daily. Build up your spirit daily. It's almost like daily encounters are, are kind of important. You guys ever heard about daily encounters? Well, let me tell you, man, in those daily encounters, build yourself up 
begin to crucify your flesh. Go ahead and, and bring things to light so you can deal with things, so that you can walk in that position, seated at the, hev- at the right hand of the Father. Man, let him do such a work in your life. Practically. Anyone you, you appreciate practical? Yes, you're a practical person. Practically. Can I, can I just go ahead and ask you, can spiritual leaders point out giants in your life? Can spiritual leaders help you see things that you don't see? If the answer is no, go ahead and begin to deal with that. Because it's when you surround yourself with good people, it's when you surround yourself with people that, hey, have you noticed this? Hey, do you recognize you're doing this in this scenario? That, they, that you begin to deal with as things as, they, as they're brought to light. In, in Proverbs 29, 1, it says this, whoever, whoever stubbornly, stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. It also says in Proverbs 27, 5, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Can I go ahead and practically encourage you? Lean into God-given friendships. Lean into God-given friendships. Give, lean into friendships that are real. It's one of our values. Because real relationships bring real results. And when you have a friend that will actually tell you things that you don't see or that, that you're not aware of, you begin to, to navigate those things. And that iron begins to sharpen iron and you begin to, to walk in freedom together. You just go ahead and say freedom. freedom. Now on the count of three, just go ahead and yout, shout freedom. One, two, three. Freedom. I love it. The last thing that I, that I want to kind of encourage us with this, this morning, and I'll end here, and the worship team can join me. I, I simply, as I was praying in today and, and navigating, and, and the Lord was showing me different things, the one word that was just so resounding in my time with him was freedom. Simply that, freedom, freedom. It, it talks about in the word of God where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. And with this giant of addiction, I feel like the Lord is helping me see there, there's a mindset that needs to shift. Because I feel like in culture, in the world, when addiction is talked about, it's a, almost a woe is me thing. I'll always deal with this. This is something that, that I always kind of have to navigate and figure out. And the Lord, he's, he's, he's saying today, no, 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 freedom. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And he was helping me see and understand that that there's victory that needs to be walked in, and, and not that this partner with, oh, I'll always deal with this, or uh, it's always something that's going to be a crutch in my life. And Lord, he, he's simply wanting to speak freedom today. Freedom. So what, what I want you to understand is that we're not fighting for a victory, but from a victory. He, he's already paid for the victory on the cross. And, and that changes things completely. Because if you think about it, if, if you're someone that enjoys athletics like I do, if you know the end result, you're going to play differently. If, if you know that the victory's already been won, how you play the game is going to completely change. And, and so many times in this, this thing of life, 
We don't understand of, of where our place is, where Heavenly Father is, how he's, he's he created everything. He, he's the one that is walking with us every single day of our life. And he has victory that he's already paid for on the cross, that as we walk in that victory, as we take up that victory, those things that maybe have held us back for years, those things that have maybe bound us down for decades are going to begin to continue to fall off in the victory that he's already paid for on the cross. He's got freedom for you this morning. In this life, the end result is clear. It's victory. It's freedom. It's, it's what he has for you. There's, been, there's an authority that has been given to us as children of the Most High. As I was praying, I felt like the Lord, he was, he was showing me that there's striving that is going to cease this morning. There's striving that is going to cease this morning. There's some of you that are in this room that have been battling addiction for a long time. There's some of you in this room that are, that are battling things that you didn't even realize there, uh, there were addictions, but the Lord is helping you see that there are addictions today. And as you're battling these things, it's this thing that you've tried to almost muster up in a, of yourself. You're saying, hey, I have, if I can do this well enough, or if I can push myself, if I can just grit down my teeth and just do this. And I felt like he was saying that striving and to, to battle this addiction is going to cease this morning because he's going to come in. And as we lift him up, his highest authority He's going to reveal of, hey, it's not in your strength, it's in his. And then when we partner with him, when we take up our, our position with him in heavenly places, he's going to begin to remove. He's going to begin to, to, to free. He's going to begin to, to shift things in the heavenlies. I felt like he, he, was, he was saying that in this year of supernatural suddenlies, Right? We're, we're stewarding this, this year as, as the year of supernatural suddenlies. In this year, that suddenly today, addiction is going to be removed. That suddenly today, as, as we lift him up, as we honor him, those things that, that maybe you've dealt with for a long time are just going to begin to fall off. Simply because it's easy in his presence. It's easy in his presence. In a moment with him. So go ahead and stand with me this morning. I just want to take a second. I want to begin to, to magnify the Lord. Right where you're at, just go ahead and just begin to lift up your hands. Just begin to magnify the Lord. Just begin to just offer up, up some, some worship as a praise right now. Just begin to glorify him. Just begin to, to behold him right now.